This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Very, very challenging question. <laughs> this, this, will, this will fill my quota for intellectual thinking for the entire month for like... But I hope it's been... Uh, oh, it's been, good, it's good. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because nowadays, because everybody's like throwing these terms, yeah. you know, like gaslighting, blackmailing. Yeah. I'm like, you know, what's going on here? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like people are like always in these like quiet wars, yeah. you know, like anyway. Now it makes sense. Totally okay, makes that's sense. good. Yeah. BFM 89.9, I'm Hamad Fahrahmat and you are listening to Night School, the show that explores concepts, theories and society. We are joined this week by Dr. Eugene T of Help University to talk to us about emotional enmeshment and how they eventually become gaslighting and emotional blackmail. Welcome to the show, Eugene. Very good to be here, Fawad. So let's go with an enmeshment first, mm-hmm. right? Because it seems that before blackmail can happen... Mm-hmm. There's already like a dependency going yes, on. That's right. right. And that seems to me to be in a lot of ways how all relationships work mm-hmm. in a way, right? Because mm-hmm. at some point, insofar as relationships are based on similarities, mm-hmm. right? Or the idea that you share certain things. Mm-hmm. The neat boundary between self and other mm. is not so neat anymore. No, it's right? not. I think there often is a power imbalance. There is, say, one party in the relationship being a little bit more I don't know, experienced, maybe a little bit more savvy. Mm-hmm. And I think once that happens, it creates a sense of dependence, a sense of reliance that the less powerful party actually looks up to and sees the more powerful party as, wow, you know what? This is someone which I need to cling on to. This is someone which I need to hold on to. And I think that's really the roots of of how such um, relationships start. Yeah. But in what scenario would that not happen, right? Because Mm. I I grant that ideally there would be enough transparency Mm. that that would not happen. But it, it seems to me that a lot of relationships have a certain degree of difference. That right? that, that some people, mm. it, you know, predisposed to be more needy. Yeah. One is more yeah. expressive than the other. That's right. One is more independent That's and right. stuff like that. But I get it. I'm not trying to say that it cannot become toxic, mm. right? Mm. But at what degree does it become? Is it when it's just explicit? And typically, they're not explicitly worded. They're not explicit. Know, right? I think some relationships yeah. even, uh, we might even know I can think of a couple of relationships as well in which there's a distinct power imbalance in between the two parties, but they still make it work. But I think you cross a line when the more powerful party actually dictates and has a very strong, say, overwhelming say in the other person's behaviors and actions to a Mm. point where they feel restricted. Uh, We talked about relationships being where when people come together, they bring out the best in one another. I think in this imbalanced relationship, one party stands to gain a lot more from controlling the other. I would use terms such as codependence and control. Right, right. So basically, in the case of gaslighting emotional blackmail, Mm. what you have is somebody wielding authority. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. There was a uh, recent study conducted by a master's student, which I was supervising, and she conducted a range of uh, interviews with people who have admitted to experiencing gaslighting. And the one thing that distinguishes emotional blackmail from gaslighting is that with the gaslighting incident, people's perceptions, the nature of their understanding of reality changes because the more experienced, more powerful individual 
distorts in a way. I'd right, say it right. distorts the view of the world and, and the problems, the challenges that the less powerful person would face in the world around them. Right. Now, how would this look like in like parent-child relationships, mm-hmm. right? Where parents have to exercise a certain degree of discipline That's right. That's in the right. house. And mm. obviously, they're just savvier and they know relationships yes, better. Yes. I mean, does that apply only to like intimate partnerships? Does it even apply to like parental relationships? No, you raised another good point. I think uh, I was about to bring up parenting as well because with enmeshment, you can have parents who pretty much literally hover over their children. Hence the term, which we do have some research on, helicopter parenting. So they... I say this is terrible to say, but they embed themselves so much in their children's lives that the children don't actually develop a sense of independence or autonomy. Yeah. And I think this, in the long run, can be rather detrimental to their self-esteem, their self-efficacy. Yeah, yeah. But at some point, though, it's not just... I mean, there's so many things that are detrimental to a child's yes. you know, mm-hmm. um, self-esteem, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because I know people who have the best parents mm. and this, the children still have issues. You know, the parents never beat them, the parents never yell at them, mm. and the children still have issues, yep. right? So... So if that's the measure, then that may not be mm. that may not be a unique way of pointing out where gaslighting is a problem, right? That is so true. Mm. I guess my question here is: At what point? Because you don't want to use the standard kind of like typically authoritarian relationship, right? Because mm. that's obviously like already already like a problem that's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of relationships, most of the time, because we talked about this before, you know, mm-hmm. where there's always already enmeshment yes right at what point does it slide into Mm. like a power play a tug of war you know I think if you were to ask a few questions do you feel that your parents trust you do you feel that you know your partner trusts you do you feel that you can be yourself do you feel that you can be vulnerable is it okay to be you I think it's another Ah, important question interesting right so in relationships are there certain aspects of my psychological makeup, my history, that I would still be very wary of disclosing to this other person? If, I think if you add that up, if you want to mm-hmm, do some mm-hmm. kind of cost-benefit, uh, some numerical calculation, if the more of that you have, then I think that's, that's probably a sign that you might want to consider yeah. as yeah. being detrimental to any closer bond that you have with this person. Yeah, yeah. Because I think there is that dark side to mm-hmm. intimate domestic partnerships, yes. you know, where... It doesn't look like Instagram anymore, no, right? It's no. just sort of like, <laughs> you know, both, you know, the, the, the same thing that brings out the best in their love, mm. you know, shows a, a side of jealousy and bitterness, right, you right, know. They um, do. And I guess the question I have is, at what point is that just par for the course, mm. you know? And at what point does it sort of germinate into into something like mm. more sinister, you know? And I know mm. you've explained it, they're like these, yeah. these sorts of... Um, Indicators you can ask, yeah. but I guess my suspicion would be that are gaslighting uh, relationships, you know, always in that mode, right? Mm. Are you is mm. your partner always Darth Vader, <laughs> right? You, you know, because I think that's the easy way to kind of describe yeah. it. You know, you're mm. dating Darth Vader, yeah. you know, yeah. and if you as soon as you run away, you can mm. kind of choke you from a distance. Yes, right? actually, but but I don't mm. know how often relationships are like that. Mm. Unless you know, I mean, maybe there could be. We can talk about worst case scenarios, but. In terms of relationships we know, let's mm-hmm. appeal to lasting relationships we know, we know that there's often an unsavory side. Yes, of right? course. And at that point, it gets murky. Like, is he always Darth Vader? Right. Or is he maybe sometimes, right. 
you know, Luke Skywalker, mm. right? So, yeah. I think sometimes we justify that as well. Oh, he or she is just looking out for me. It's cute that he or she is actually a yeah. little bit jealous and conveys that to me because he values or she values their relationship. Um, I think I was about to say that it becomes a little bit more enmeshed the moment you don't feel psychologically safe mm. to be with this individual anymore. That mm. there are certain parts of you, your experiences, your past history, which I think can be used against you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So with gaslighting and blackmail, a common thread across both of these occurrences is that it's murky. People don't consciously recognize when they are being blackmailed or mm. when they are being gaslighted. Mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. use the analogy of the gas leak in the kitchen, you know something's a little bit off, but mm. you don't know until Darth Vader yanks you back. Or when right, there's an explosion right, that blows right. up the relationship and then you start realizing that the relationship is not all a bed of roses. Right. It's not like rainbows and unicorns. Right, right. So I think one way to tell is that there are going to be issues where... The ebb and flow has more potential for growth Correct. to individuals, right? Mm. So I'll keep, you're going to bicker, mm. you know, and sometimes you compromise so that yes. somebody else gets the right. upper hand, right? But Bickering and conflict is useful for it's relationships. Useful, right? Mm. Um, but like you said, I think it's a good way to kind of indicate like the sense of comfort. Yes. You know, is there still an overall sense of homeliness with this person, Correct. right? Is there Correct. still an overall, overall sense that you can show your best self to That's this right. person That's right. without feeling curtailed, mm. without feeling mm. attacked, right? Yeah, I think one additional question you might want to ask is, does this person really want the best out from me? Mm-hmm. Does this person really have the intention of bringing out the best? And it gets murky again because sometimes people's efforts to control you, to say what you can and cannot do, should or should not do, is often confounded. It's yeah. actually confused with, this control is actually confounded with love or concern for this other individual. So right. to each their own, I would like to give a precise definition or kind of like a, a guide for which to identify when. But usually just a bunch of guiding questions such as this might help you feel your way around that relationship and maybe decide whether that relationship is really bringing out the best in you or not. Yeah, so you gave like, I think three guiding questions that mm-hmm. are going to be more or... As and when they they, they yeah, come yeah. out, I think I would. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, sure, sure. You feel safe, yeah. Yeah, we can we can go them through them later. But yeah. I guess at one point I want to also know what is in the mindset of the gaslighter. Mm-hmm. You know, Darth Vader is an easy example, right? But let's just say, I guess a general question: mm. like, does this person know the sort of you know like the kind of power he wields? They do. Is it consciously ah? Okay. They do, and I think a lot of them use that against the target. So with gaslighting and with blackmail, they realize that this relationship is important to me. They might also be a little bit insecure in that relationship. Mm -hmm. So they use control efforts to make sure that this person does not go and seek. So there's a kind of formulaic element to it. If I do this, she'll do that. If I do this, she'll do that. And to extremes, you will probably think about, say, if you don't do what I want, I'm going to jump off a building. If you don't do what I want, I'm breaking off this relationship. I see. You'll find blackmail and gaslighting also in professional settings. So I think it's identifying the signs and, and making sure that you put a stop to it before it becomes any worse. Can you give an example of how that works in a professional setting? Because I've only used mm-hmm. like intimate partnership, but let's mm-hmm. say in the office, what does that mm-hmm. look like? Well, say I work for a boss, which, uh, and these are no particular individuals, uh, that I really admire and I really look up to. I want this person's affirmation and validation. But this person knows that I'm vulnerable in that sense, that mm-hmm. I seek his or her mm-hmm. validation. And so in order to control me and my work output and the, say, the kinds of projects that I am engaged in, the number of hours I will work, some kind of threat 
um, made through blackmail efforts, blackmail strategies might be imposed onto me. If you work well, then I will promise to give you the sort of like, uh, I'll, I'll try a good word for you during the next round of promotion, mm-hmm. for instance. So there is a dangling carrot that sometimes blackmailers use because they know what buttons to push for the right, victim. Right, interesting, interesting. Let's take a break right now. Thanks for this picture of gaslighting and management and blackmailing because you, you've explained it really well. Oh, I think for the longest <laughs> time, I couldn't quite draw sort of neat distinctions between them. Now okay. it's actually working for me. So oh, uh, we'll be right back to unpack those terms and their interrelationships soon after this break with Eugene T. I'm Ahmad for Ahmad and this is Night School on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to me, Ahmad Fahad Rahmat. Joined this week by Eugene T. And we're talking about emotional enmeshment. And two of their worst manifestations, one could say, are blackmailing and gaslighting. And the first part of the show, you help explain the differences, mm-hmm. right? And how we can tell at what point they veer off from the usual mm. problematic ebb and flows of arguments and conflicts mm. in quote-unquote normal relationships, mm-hmm. right? So gaslighting and emotional blackmail, there are formulas here, there are kind of scripts that are repeated yep. and it threatens the sense, the person's sense of well-being, yes, right? So those are key indicators. Mm. And some of the crucial questions you can ask is, mm-hmm. can you be your best self with this person? Mm-hmm. Can you relax from this person, mm-hmm. right? All the, the, the sort of positive things that a relationship mm-hmm. should offer to a person yeah. is not happening because yeah. there's clearly power play involved. Mm. It's just come to mind, but walking on eggshells is a good way to ah, describe the relationships which are characterized by blackmail and right. gaslighting. Right. And again, I think it's extra sinister because it shows just like, you know, whatever's happening at that point is no longer love. Mm. Right? Whatever's happening at that point is like selfishness mm. or, or like, you know, like petty bickering, which yeah. makes me wonder like, at what point do sort of gaslighters picked up on this? Because you know, is this a disorder that they mm-hmm. have? You know, everybody's talking about disorders nowadays. So is this like, <laughs> is there a disorder that leads them mm. to think about that? Or is it just basic kind of like primitive instincts kicking in <laughs> about like territoriality or like... Good question. What, what are the motivations for gaslighting? What are the factors behind it? If it's anything uh, like someone who engages in blackmailing, I think a gaslighter also fears that relationship. This is... Maybe the best that I'm, I'm going to get. Mm. So if you toss it around, if you turn the tables around on the gaslighter, the person who is engaging in such behaviors, they too want this sense of control, predictability, and certainty of their relationship. Maybe some of them get a kick out of being in charge, being the dominant individual in the relationship. We don't know, but that's a very likely possibility as well, given that there's a strong power imbalance that often determines the nature of gaslighting interactions. Mm-hmm. So I think there are definitely individual differences. We've uh, seen from a very, very small study that the gaslighter can be in intimate relationships, personal romantic relationships with another individual. But again, just going along the theme of the power imbalance, we have also observed that this occurs within client and therapist yeah. relationships as well. Oh, interesting. Tell, tell us some examples mm. about that. Right. So um, how do I say this without offending the Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no I, I think therapists are human too. Sure, sure. And I've also recently gotten a, a, a text from a former student of mine saying that, look, this therapist is really not doing his or her job. I don't know who this person is, but is sucking out the money from my friend. And so this, again, 
if we go back to gaslighting and this sense of reliance, this sense of dependency that the victim knows no better, the patient in this case knows no better, that I still need to repeatedly seek therapy, even mm. though I may be on the road to recovery already. Right, even right. more nefarious and I think even more, I won't say evil, but it's closely approaching that are therapists who create this idea that the client still needs help. You are still not completely well. But we've seen cases of this as well, where the therapist actually thinks that, look, I need a little bit more on the side. This month has been a little bit tight for me. Mm. I'm just going to create this idea to this one particular client who I know hangs on to my every word and say that we need a follow-up session. And I think that is unethical. That is nefarious. That is also pretty scary when you think about it. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't think about it in this context, Mm. but, you know, given how much confidentiality Mm. and how much like you know not even confidentiality but a Mm. sense of safety that a a therapeutic setting Mm. demands Mm -hmm. right the power imbalance can be very very like you know serious yes right especially if the other person has a disorder Mm. and a lot of his or her recovery depends on that sense of safe space being maintained, right? Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. So the situation is exacerbated when there is this power imbalance, but also when the therapist who is gaslighting the patient tells him or her that you still need, you know, support, you still need my help, no one else is going to give it to you. We've been in this relationship, this client-patient relationship for for a very long time now, and you should come back to me. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, occurs to me in the example you give is the sense of no longer having a choice. There's Mm. a certain desperation that sustains these relationships, right? Like the victim typically doesn't see any other way that that, that she can go about Mm. it or he can go about it, right? Mm. And that, you know, I submit myself to his or her whims Mm. and blackmails because I have nowhere else to go, right? And I just wonder if... Again, I'm putting my social construction hat on. <laughs> if it says anything about how we are being socialized into smaller and smaller social units, that yeah. we don't feel like we can talk about this to other people. Maybe That's we right. don't have that many friends anymore, Maybe. or like yeah. you know, like our social bonds, our general sort of like state of connections with mm. other people have become so diminished yes. that. Everything hinges on this relationship. It's a right? very, very big issue that you have touched upon for it. Um, there is a book called Alone Together. I think that's also a name of a song. As yeah, well, yeah. That although the more interconnected we have become to the use of technology and social media, we feel increasingly isolated and one singular unit. But compounding that, uh, as you said, is the sense that only this person understands me. Only mm. this person really knows what's going on uh, with me. I don't deserve better, it might be. And so these are kinds of rationalizations that the person, the victim of the blackmail or the gaslighting incident might actually play through in their mind. And so they stick on that and they maintain or they keep within their relationship not knowing better. Yeah. Both Blackmail and gaslighting. Uh, for blackmail, the acronym is FOG, F-O-G. So it stands for fear, obligation, and guilt. But it's a very nice play on the entire scenario. Fear, obligation, and guilt. Yeah. And those are the recipes that lead to blackmail. Yes. Huh. And so it's quite nice that it's, um, uh, how do you say, it's it, it's a FOG, right? Yeah, so you don't yeah. really know it very well. Just like in the gaslighting situation, you know that there's something a little bit off. It's something that smells a little bit off in the kitchen, but you don't quite know what it is. So a very subtle, it's not direct, you know, and people might take a while of 
maybe reflection and realization that, you know what, this relationship is really not bringing out the best in me. It's actually serving this person's insecurity or this person's pride or this person's intention to control me. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that both the victim and the perpetrator Mm -hmm. have low self-worth. It could be. It seems like that's what's happening. Like the perpetrator feels like I got to treat her like this because Mm. my power, my Mm. sense of control or my sense of like, Worth in overall basically mm. depends on me demonstrating that my my, my power. Yep. But and then for the victim, he feels that he has to stick around mm. because there's no one else. Yep. Right. So I think that's the the added tragedy there. Mm. Right. That both have lost their a healthy way of evaluating Correct. themselves and each Correct. other, right? That's a key term that you've described, a healthy relationship. Yeah. That's not apparent in a relationship that's bound together by blackmail or gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Both parties, as you mentioned, might be of low self-esteem. They might think that this is as good as it gets. I, lo- I, I This relationship means a lot, if not everything, to me, and that makes it even more difficult to get out of it. Yeah. Do we have a sense of how social these relationships are? Like, are they... Mm gregarious do they go out as a couple do they have to present you know maybe, uh, maybe a contrary picture to their kind of real relationship to others oh. or something? because the picture i get of these abusive relationships that they're so dependent on yeah, each other yeah. that it seems like it reflects and an inability to really like connect to a bigger unit or That's something. Right. I'm just speculating. No, you are right. Um, I'm reminded of a study that recently showed that the more couples post themselves and their other halves on social media, it's actually a not too bad indicator of how unsatisfied they are in mm, their relationship. So in a way to justify and to validate that their relationship is you know, important, it's great, people like it. Uh, people validate us. They post it on a social media yeah. account. I, I don't say that this is true for every single sure, couple, sure, sure. but just by the rule of generalizability and some statistical analysis, at least in the States, we find that to be the case. On yeah. your second point, on that relationship being just a single unit, um, some of the relationships which I've seen often have, you're right, they're they just two. Right. The, right. Their social circle is actually not very big. Again, this does not apply, but I I have seen that before. So maybe what is being provided in this sort of singular unit, this dyad, if you will, it's just that this person is my will, my will is this person. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's not a good place to be. No, I don't think it's healthy. Yeah, you're expecting too much from another person or just the combination that you do. Our development requires... Mm interaction and exposure to so many different facets of the world. I agree. Yeah. I agree. In fact, I know a couple who's actually told me, Mm. they're close friends of mine, they said that they both struggle with emotional health issues, you Mm. know, and they're they're proud to say that a lot of their recovery depended on just them going out together as a unit, talking to people, doing things together, and like with other people, Yeah, you know, and that just expanded the scope of their discussion. It's no longer just about them that's it's about right. like things they're doing with others correct, correct. shared memories those absolutely. things are very very useful absolutely right? and if you could bring in some of the benefits of social support I think you yes number one broaden your social circle but you learn new things you become a little bit more interested in the world I think you have a greater say pool of individuals on which you can rely on talk to as and when you need them yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's really not healthy I, it almost sounds to me for uh, very suffocating yeah. to just be in that relationship and to have this one person serve you every single 
Yeah, yeah. Now, what's the way out for these uh, relationships? Like, I assume a lot of them at some point end up in therapy, or maybe the gaslighting is so strong that mm. it doesn't even, you know, see the light of day. Yeah. But have you seen or heard of like success stories in terms of recovery, in terms of like those practices ending? Mm. Or I have. Um, I'm not aware of the say stories that the therapist would tell me about how successful but I imagine that to some extent it's untangling this entanglement or untangling this enmeshment which has mm-hmm. been quite useful and successful I mean some of the suggestions uh, as you've already mentioned involves going out there meeting broadening your social circle I would suggest that if anyone's in that kind of relationship I think it's always that aversion in that first step, isn't it? It's not something which is usual for a couple that's always been together and they've only relied on one another. But I think to take that courage to actually do that is important. Therapy, I think, would also involve some steps related to this. Yeah. Now, maybe a tangential question, but does group therapy or maybe couples therapy Mm -hmm. prevent the likelihood of gaslighting Mm -hmm. between therapists and clients? Because the example you gave seems to be like, again, the dyadic thing, right? Dyadic dependencies Mm. where they become a universe unto themselves yeah. <laughs> that there's no third perspective to check excesses, yeah, right? I assume right. In, in couples therapy or group therapy, yep. that's less likely yes, to happen. Yes. Yeah. So if it's in some way to actually lower the apprehension and the aversion towards sharing the gaslighting or the blackmail uh, experiences, then I think group therapy might be helpful. If anything, the people and the couples within the therapy will recognize that, well, this is not unique to us. Oh, they've come to realize that you know there, there might be a better way to actually relate to one another and mm-hmm. other people have something to share. So a double benefit of that realization and increased social support from the new connections made during this therapy. Yeah. So it's not as bleak as it sounds. So you think, mm. you know, gaslighting and all that, there are ways around it. There are ways to absolutely. overcome it. Yes, right? absolutely. Right? Yeah. But like I said, I think so much of it depends on them establishing a sense of security yep. right and and realizing uh, it yeah. isn't it <laughs> i mean it's hard to do that for your own self what mm. more you, for yourself and another person correct right correct. yeah okay. it seems like added tasks there mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and I, th- I think it's also important to see like how these take mundane instances too right mm. um like there's a sense of, you know there's this Marajo thing uh-huh. you know which I don't know if it's emotional blackmail but no, it could I, mutate well, to something like that it right? could I, it, I don't know it, yeah. playful expression of uh, Marajo I, I would imagine translates to pouting yeah, uh, yeah, in, yeah. A way, in so, a way yeah, so yeah. I think it's uh, it, it can be playful but if the Marajo or the pouting turns into some full-blown tantrum throwing yeah. uh, that's when you might want to think that yeah. I think it's gotten to the extremes <laughs> isn't it yeah, yeah so we're dealing with degrees here yeah that's true that's true and mm. I think a bit of frustration to the person you love mm. or with the person you love mm. it's not that bad right? no it's, a question it's not of, right? it's not there, there is a there is a study I think it's aptly titled Tickling the Monster oh so it's uh, it's a study on how people can use jealousy strategically to bring their relationships closer I yeah. mean I wouldn't we, we've talked about the negative side of Marajo pouting, yeah, you know, yeah. but I think there is a good side to it. Jealousy is an emotion which we experience yeah. because we value that relationship, yeah. and sometimes playfully tickling the green eyed monster, for instance, yeah. um, might actually go some way to bringing you guys a little bit closer. I, yeah. I just wouldn't overdo it or make it the main way right, of right. keeping yourself in that relationship, though. I think the key issue here that you point out is the sense of like emotional mastery or emotional mm. command over the other. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, restricts his or her potential and mm. movement and expression, mm. right? I yeah. think that's the key indicator there. Because yeah. um, 
Yeah, I mean, there are people out there who are afraid of commitment. They might be more afraid of commitment after this discussion. But oh we say, dear, I am so sorry. <laughs> this is not. This is not. This is not what actually happens, right? No, like, no. These are like actually like pathological Correct. instances. Correct. Caveat emptor. All right, Eugene. I know you have a book out, so do you want to talk a bit about that? Yes, thank you for what. Uh, the book is entitled Off Romances and Biting Cute Babies, Questions About Emotions You Probably Never Thought About Asking. It's co-authored with my colleague, Dr. Choi Si Ling, and you can find it in MPH bookstores. Okay, wonderful. You can email the show at bfmnightschoolgmail.com, look us up on Facebook, bfmnightschool, start that on the search space. And also, download our app at the Apple App Store. Once again, it was Eugene T, the guest today, who talked to us about emotional enmeshment and their uh, worst-case scenarios that are gaslighting and also uh, emotional blackmail. I'm Ahmad Farahma and this is Night School on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.